The French Revolution, Volume One, by Thomas Carlyle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Mark Thornton, Miranda, New Zealand. Chapter One Point Four Four: The Procession, Part One. On the first Saturday of May, it is gala at Versailles, and Monday, fourth of the month is to be a still greater day the deputies have mostly got thither and sought out lodgings and are now successively in long well-ushered files kissing the hand of majesty in the chateau supreme usher de braise does not give the highest satisfaction we cannot but observe that in ushering noblesse or clergy into the anointed presence he liberally opens both his folding doors and on the other hand for members of the third estate opens only one However, there is room to enter. Majesty has smiles for all. The good Louis welcomes his honourable members with smiles of hope. He has prepared for them the hall of Menus, the largest near him, and often surveyed the workmen as they went on. A spacious hall, with raised platform for throne, court, and blood royal, space for six hundred commons deputies in front, for half as many clergy on this hand, and half as many noblesse on that. It has lofty galleries, wherefrom dames of honour, splendent in gaze, door, foreign diplomacies, and other gilt-edged, white-frilled individuals, to the number of two thousand, may sit and look on. Broad passages flow through it, and outside the inner wall, all round it. There are committee-rooms, guard-rooms, robing-rooms, really a noble hall, where upholstery, aided by the subject fine arts, has done its best and crimson-tasseled cloths and emblematic fleur-de-lis are not wanting the hall is ready the very costume as we said has been settled and the commons are not to wear the hated slouch hat chapeau clabeau but one not quite so slouch chapeau rabatu as for their manner of working when all dressed for their voting by head or by order and the rest this which it were perhaps still time to settle and in a few hours will be no longer time remains unsettled hangs dubious in the breast of twelve hundred men but now finally the sun on monday the fourth of may has risen unconcerned as if it were no special day and yet as his first rays could strike music from the memnon statue on the nile what tones were these so thrilling tremulous of preparation and foreboding which he awoke in every bosom at versailles huge paris in all conceivable and inconceivable vehicles is pouring itself forth from each town and village come subsidiary rills versailles is a very sea of men but above all from the church of st louis to the church of notre dame one vast suspended billow of life with spray scattered even to the chimney-pots on chimney-tops too as over the roofs and up the woods on every lamp-iron sign-post break-ned coin of vantage sits patriotic courage and every window bursts with patriotic beauty for the deputies are gathering at st louis church to march in procession to notre dame and hear sermon yes friends you may sit and look boldly or in thought all france and all europe may sit and look for it is a day like few others oh one might weep like xerxes so many serried rows sit perched there like winged creatures alighted out of heaven all these and so many more that follow them shall have wholly fled aloft again 
vanishing into the blue deep, and the memory of this day still be fresh. It is the baptism day of democracy. Sick time has given it birth, the numbered months being run. The extreme unction day of feudalism, a superannuated system of society, decrepit with toils, but has it not done much, produced you, and what ye have and know? And with thefts and brawls, named glorious victories, with profligacies, sensualities, and on the whole with dotage and senility, is now to die, and so, with death throes and birth throes, a new one is to be born. What a work, O oh, earth and heavens, what a work! Battles and bloodshed, September massacres, bridges of Lodi, retreats of Moscow, Waterloos, Peterloos, ten-pound franchises, tar-barrels and guillotines, and from this present date, if one might prophesy, some two centuries of it still to fight. Two centuries, hardly less, before democracy go through its due, most baleful, stages of quackocracy, and a pestilential world be burnt up, and have begun to grow green and young again. Rejoice nevertheless, ye versile multitudes, to you, from whom all this is hid, and glorious end of it is visible. This day sentence of death is pronounced on shams. Judgment of resuscitation, were it but far off, is pronounced on realities. This day it is declared aloud, as with a doomed trumpet, that a lie is unbelievable. Believe that, stand by that, if more there be not, and let what thing or thing soever will follow, follow it. Ye can no other, God be your help, so spake a greater than any of you, opening his chapter of world history. Behold, however, the doors of St. Louis Church flung wide, and the procession of processions advancing towards Notre Dame. Shouts rend the air, one shout at which Grecian birds might drop dead. It is indeed a stately solemn sight. The elected of France, and then the court of France, they are marshalled and marched there, all in prescribed place and costume. Our commons in plain black mantle and white cravat, noblesse in gold work, bright dyed cloaks of velvet, resplendent, rustling with laces, waving with plumes. The clergy, in rochet, alb, or other best pontificabilius, lastly comes the king himself, and king's household, also in their brightest blaze of pomp, their brightest and final one, some fourteen hundred men blown together from all winds on the deepest errand. Yes, in that silent marching mass there lies futurity enough. No symbolic ark, like the old Hebrews, do these men bear, yet with them too is a covenant. They too preside at a new era in the history of men. The whole future is there, and destiny dim brooding over it. In the hearts and unshaped thoughts of these men it lies illegible, inevitable. Singular to think. They have it in them. Yet not they, not mortal, only the eye above can read it. As it shall unfold itself in fire and thunder, of siege and field artillery, in the rustling of battle-banners, the tramp of hosts, and in the glow of burning cities, the shriek of strangled nations. Such things lie hidden, safe wrapped in this fourth day of May. Say rather, had lain in some other unknown day, of which this latter is the public fruit and outcome. As indeed what wonders lie in every day, had we the sight, as happily we have not, to decipher it. For is not every meanest day 
the conflux of two eternities. Meanwhile, suppose we too, good reader, should, as now without miracle Muse Cleo enables us, take our station also on some coin of vantage, and glance momentarily over this procession, this lifelong sea, with far other eyes than the rest do, namely with prophetic. We can mount and stand there without fear of falling. As for the life-sea, or onlooking unnumbered multitude, it is unfortunately all too dim. Yet, as we gaze fixedly, do not nameless figures, not a few, which shall not always be nameless, disclose themselves, visible or presumably there? Young Baroness de Stael, she evidently looks from a window, among older honourable women. Her father is minister, and one of the gala personages, to his own eyes the chief one. Young spiritual Amazon, thy rest is not there, nor thy loved father's, as Malebranche saw all things in God, so Monsieur Necker sees all things in Necker, a theorem that will not hold. But where is the brown-locked, light-behaved, fire-hearted Demoiselle Theron, brown eloquent beauty, who, with thy winged words and glances, shall thrill rough bosoms, whole steel battalions, and persuade an Austrian Kaiser, I can help lie provided for thee in due season and, alas, also straight waistcoat, a long lodging in the Salpetriere. Better hadst thou stayed in native Luxembourg, and been the mother of some man's brave children. But it was not thy task, it was not thy lot. Of the rougher sex, how, without tongue or hundred tongues of iron, enumerate the notabilities? Has not Marquis Valardi hastily quitted his Quaker broad-brim, his Pythagorean Greek in Wapping, and the city of Glasgow? De Moran from his career de l'Europe, Lingray from his Annal, they looked eager through the London fog, and became ex-editors, that they might feed the guillotine and have their due. Does Louvet stand a tiptoe, and Brissot, height de Warville, friend of the blacks, he with Marquis Concorset and Clavier de Genevese, have created the Moniteur newspaper, or about creating it? Able editors must give an account of such a day. Or seest thou with any distinctness, low down probably, not in places of honour, a Stanislas Maillard, riding tipstaff of the Châtelet, one of the shiftiest of men, a Captain Ulau of Geneva, Captain Ellie of the Queen's Regiment, both with an air of half-pay, Jourdain with tile-coloured whiskers, not yet with tile-beard, an unjust dealer in mules? He shall be, in a few months, draw down the headsman, and have other work. Surely also, in some place not of honour, stands or sprawls up querulous, that he too, though short, may see, one squalidest bleared mortal, redolent of suit and horse-drugs, Jean-Paul Marat of Neustal. O Marat, renovator of human science, lecturer on optics, O thou remarkable horse-leech, once in d'Artois' stables, as thy bleared soul looks forth, through thy bleared, dull, acrid, woe-stricken face, what sees it in all this? Any faintest light of hope, like day-spring after Nova's ember night? Or is it but blue sulphur light, and spectres? Woe, suspicion, revenge without end? Of Draper Le Quintard, how he shut his cloth-shop hard by, and stepped forth, one hard needly speak, nor of Santerre, the sonorous brewer from the Faubourg Saint-Antoine, 
two other figures, and only two, we signalised there, a huge brawny figure, through whose black brows and rude flattened face there looks a waste energy, as of Hercules, not yet furibund. He is an Assyrian, unprovided advocate. Danton by name, him Mark. Then that other, his slight-billed comrade and crafter brother, he with the long curling locks, with the face of the dingy blackguardism, wondrously irradiated with genius, as if a naphtha lamp burned within it. That figure is Camille Desmoulins, a fellow of infinite shrewdness, wit, nay humour, one of the sprightliest, clearest souls in all these millions. Thou poor Camille, say of thee what they may. It were but falsehood to pretend one did not almost love thee, thou headlong, lightly sparkling man. But the brawny, not yet furibund figure, we say, is Jacques Danton, a name that shall be tolerably known in the Revolution. He is president of the electoral Cordelier district of Paris, or about to be it, and shall open his lungs of brass. We dwell no longer on the mixed shouting multitude, for now, behold, the Commons deputies are at hand. Which of these six hundred individuals in plain white cravat that have come up to regenerate France might one guess would become their king? For a king or leader they, as all bodies of men, must have, be their work what it may, there is one man there who, by character, faculty, position, is fittest of all to do it. That man, as future not yet elected king, walks there among the rest. He with thick black locks will it be? With the hewer, as himself calls it, or black boar's head, fit to be shaken as a senatorial portent, through whose shaggy beetle brows and rough-hewn, seamed, carbuncled face, there look natural ugliness, small tocks, incontinence, bankruptcy, and burning fire of genius, like comet fire, glaring, fuliginous, through murkiest confusions. It is Gabriel Honore Riquette de Mirabeau, the world compeller, man-ruling deputy of I. According to the Baroness de Stael, he steps proudly along, though looked at askance here, and shakes his black chevelure, or lion's mane, as if prophetic of great deeds. Yes, reader, that is the type Frenchman of this epoch, as Voltaire was at the last. He is French in his aspirations, acquisitions, in his virtues, in his vices, perhaps more French than any other man, and intrinsically such a mass of manhood too. Mark him well. The National Assembly were all different without that one. Nay, he might say with the old despot, the National Assembly, I am that. Of a southern climate, of wild southern blood, for the Riquettis or Arigettis had to fly from Florence and the Guelphs long centuries ago, and settled in Provence, where from generation to generation they have ever approved themselves a peculiar kindred, irascible, indomitable, sharp-cutting, true, like the steel they wore, of an intensity and activity that sometimes verged towards madness, yet did not reach it. One ancient Riquetti, in mad fulfilment of a mad vow, chains two mountains together, and the chain, with its iron star of five rays, is still to be seen. May not a modern Riquetti unchain so much and set it drifting, which also shall be seen? Destiny has worked for that swart burly-headed Mirabeau. Destiny has watched over him, prepared him from afar. Did not his grandfather, stout Colonel Dargent, Silverstock, so they named him, 
shattered and slashed by seven-and-twenty wounds in one fell day, lie sunk together on the bridge at Cassano, while Prince Eugene's cavalry galloped and regalloped over him, only the flying sergeant had thrown a camp-kettle over that loved head, and Vendôme, dropping his spy-glass, moaned out, "'Mirabeau is dead, then!' Nevertheless he was not dead. He awoke to breathe a miraculous surgery, for Gabriel was yet to be. With his silver stock he kept his scarred head erect, through long years, and wedded, and produced tough Marquis Victor, the friend of men, whereby at last, in the appointed year, 1749, this long-expected ruffian Gabriel Honore did likewise see the light, roughest lion's whelp ever littered on that rough breed. How the old lion! For our old Marquis, too, was lion-like, most unconquerable, kingly genial, most perverse, gazed wonderingly on his offspring, and determined to train him as no lion had yet been. It is in vain, O Marquis! This cub, though thou slay him and flay him, will not learn to draw in dog-cart of political economy, and be a friend of men. He will not be thou, must and will be himself, another than thou. Divorce lawsuits, whole families save one in prison, and threescore lettres de cachet, for thy own sole use, do but astonish the world. Our luckless Gabriel, sinned against and sinning, has been in the Isle of Re, and heard the Atlantic from his tower, in the castle of Eve and heard the Mediterranean at Marseilles. He has been in the fortress of Joux, and forty-two months, with hardly clothing to his back, in the dungeon at Vincennes. All by lettre de cachet, from his lion father. He has been in Pontalier jails, self-constituted prisoner, was noticed fording estuaries of the sea at low water, in flight from the face of men. He has pleaded before I Parlement to get back his wife, the public gathering on roofs to see since they could not hear, the clatter-teeth, snarl-singular old Mirabeau, discerning in such admired forensic eloquence nothing but two clattering jaw-bones, and a head vacant, sonorous, of the drum species. But as for Gabriel Honore, in these strange wayfarings, what has he not seen and tried, from drill-sergeants to prime-ministers, to foreign and domestic booksellers, all manner of men he has seen? all manner of men he has gained, for at bottom it is a social loving heart, that wild unconquerable one, more especially all manner of women, from the archer's daughter at Saint, to that fair young Sophie Madame Monnier, whom he could not but steal, and be beheaded for, in effigy, for indeed hardly since the Arabian prophet lay dead to Ali's admiration, was there seen such a love-hero, with the strength of thirty men. In war, again, he has helped to conquer Corsica, fought duels, irregular brawls, horse-whipped, calumnious barons. In literature he has written on despotism, on lettres de cachet, erotic sapphic, verterian, obscenities, profanities, books on the Prussian monarchy, on Cagliostro, on Calon, on the water companies of Paris. Each book comparable, we will say, to a bituminous alarum fire, huge, smoky, sudden. The firepan, the kindling, the bitumen were his own, but the lumber of rags, old wood, and nameless combustible rubbish, for all his fuel to him, was gathered from Huxter, an aspannier, of every description under heaven, whereby indeed Huxter's enough have been heard to exclaim, Out upon it! The fire is mine! Nay, consider it more generally. Seldom had man such a talent for borrowing. 
the idea, the faculty of another man he can make his, the man himself he can make his, all reflex and echo, snarls old Mirabeau, who can see but will not, crabbed old friend of men, it is his sociality, his aggregative nature, and will now be the quality of all for him. In that forty years' struggle against despotism, he has gained the glorious faculty of self-help, and yet not lost the glorious natural gift of fellowship, of being helped. Rare union! This man can live self-sufficing, yet lives also in the life of other men, can make men love him, work with him, a born king of men. But consider further how, as the old Marquis still snarls, he has made away with all formulas, a fact which, if we meditate it, will in these days mean much. This is no man of system, then. He is only a man of instincts and insights, a man, nevertheless, who will glare fiercely on any object and see through it and conquer it, for he has intellect, he has will, force beyond other men. A man not with logic spectacles, but with an eye, unhappily without decalogue, moral code or theorem of any fixed sort, yet not without a strong living soul in him, and sincerity there, a reality, not an artificiality, not a sham, and so he, having struggled forty years against despotism, and made away with all formulas, shall now become the spokesman of a nation bent to do the same. For is it not precisely the struggle of France, also to cast off despotism, to make away with her old formulas, having found them naught, worn out, far from the reality? She will make away with such formulas, and even go bare, if need be, till she have found new ones. End of the section